I want to talk about how the deep ball is going to be a bigger factor in the Steelers offense than people are giving it credit for. We'll do that in the Lockdown Steelers podcast here on the Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Lockdown Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. Before we get this show officially rolling, I want to give a quick shout out to some, some great Steelers fans that I met at a training camp. Chase, Srelly, Noah, Steve. Thank you all for saying hi to me. There were a bunch of y'all who said hi to me. I gave shout outs to these guys. I can't do it to everybody because there were about like 30 people who were hollering at me uh, uh, yesterday during training camp practice on Tuesday. But it was really special to meet meet you all, especially Chase. It's great to see young fans being so excited at training camp and getting that experience. It's awesome to meet all of you. Thank you for saying hi to me. And again, reminder, if you see me at training camp, don't be afraid to say hi to me and say what's up. Now, I will say during practice i can't do it all the time because like people kept wanting to talk during during practice i gotta watch because that's my job but thanks again to everyone who does that but let's get into what i wanted to talk about today and that's the deep ball for the steelers now one thing people are going to talk about when they go to the steelers and the deep ball and the numbers and the numbers there is that they're going to say it's not going to be a factor that's to, to worry about because they're going to think like well george pickens doesn't get enough separation deontay johnson is not not the combat catcher they don't have the pure number one overall wide receiver that does everything like a justin jefferson uh to do that and kenny pickett doesn't have the arm strength to get it down the field those are misnomers. Those are those are not necessarily the the the, the case uh, for what makes a, a good deep ball threat for the Steelers uh, in twenty twenty three. For one, let's address the Kenny Pickett portion. Kenny Pickett, by the way, uh, he's never had the super duper arm that like a Ben Roethlisberger in his prime had, where Ben Roethlisberger could throw a, a, a frozen rope. 40 yards or something like that. It could be a laser and it would blaze down the field. And that, that his raw arm strength was so powerful. Uh, I think sometimes the things that held him back was he wasn't the most studious quarterback, but his athletic abilities could make up for it at times. Kenny Pickett, I think is working extremely hard on his accuracy and he studies on when to take the right chances on those deep shots. And that's how he kind of makes up for the lack of pure zip sprays, but he can get the ball that far. It may not be on a perfect zip, but he finds it other way, other ways to get the ball there. And we even saw this a little bit at the end of last season. You saw it all through his college career, especially in that 2021 season when he was when he went off uh, and set an ACC record for touchdown scored by a quarterback. Um, but let, let's look at last season because I think a lot of people are going to want to look at and say, well, let's look at his deep ball stats. And if you look at his raw deep ball stats, just how it just looks uh, on, on his deep passing numbers, they don't look – you know, too, too great when you see five interceptions in, in the mix there. But when you put the context of when this was happening and, and how he's adjusted, it's the same night and day principles that we've been talking about with how Kenny Pickett performed last season. And that's that in the first half of the season, he was struggling. He was figuring things out in the second half of the season. 
he figured things out a, a little bit. He took those those first important steps of becoming a better quarterback in the NFL. He threw he threw all five of those interceptions in his first three whole games that he played, and not even no excuse me first. Well, I guess he, he played in the Jets. It was not a, not a whole game. He threw two interceptions against the Jets, one against the Bills. Didn't have any deep balls against the Buccaneers because he got hurt, and then threw two interceptions against the Dolphins. So in his first four games he played, he threw he threw five deep ball interceptions, all the deep ball interceptions that he threw in um, all of all of all of the season. Those four touchdowns all came in the second half of the season. One against the Bengals, one against the Falcons, one against the Raiders, and one against the Browns in the final week of the season. Now, I look at Kenny Pickett, and if you go back and you watch those plays, remember a deep ball, according to like Pro Football Focus, who, we, who charts these things, they classified as if it travels 20 yards or more in the air, which is really all you need to really start stretching out a defense a little bit more as far as the minimum of a deep ball. But also, we've seen him start to get the ball. And if you were at practice on Tuesday, you saw him connect on a deep ball to Calvin Austin that was just right on the mind, money in stride. There is that, that potential right there uh, for Kenny Pickett to hit on those. And I think you're going to see the Steelers take those shots. We've seen them take those shots in practice. We saw the deep ball to George Pickens that got a touchdown in the preseason game. This is going to be a part of the Steelers offense. Now, the question will be who, you know, we've addressed the Kenny Pickett part of that. And also I'll say in college, he had uh, in his final year at, at Pitt, he had a, uh, an adjusted per completion percentage rate, which means uh, basically a ball was either was on target for this amount of for this percentage of, of their deep ball throws 56.8%. That was third best of quarterbacks who at least threw 50 deep balls in that season. That's just ahead of CJ Stroud. It was well ahead of Bryce Young, two guys who were considered his, you know, his contemporaries in that, in that, in the as they came out in the next class. And those are guys who are going to be rookies this year that people are very excited to see. But Point being, he was a, he was he was an accurate deep ball thrower in college. I think he can be so again in the NFL. Now, for who catches the ball, that's another consideration. Now, I will say this: Deontay Johnson can get open deep. We saw him get open deep with Ben Roethlisberger uh, in in uh, in twenty twenty when that was like the first time that I think Deontay Johnson got a chance to really flex his ability to to do that. And then it didn't really resurface. Why? Because twenty twenty one was the older version of Ben Roethlisberger, and the deep ball wasn't nearly as much of a factor. And then last year, of course, was Kenny Pickett's rookie season. But I think that Deontay Johnson can be a factor. I know George Pickens can be a factor. We've seen that. But also there's Calvin Austin, who plays in here. Now, Calvin Austin is going to be the Steelers' fourth receiving option. But any time he is on the field, he is a deep ball threat with his speed and how quickly he could get behind defenders and the fact that if he's on the field, and George Pickens and Deontay Johnson's on the field. You're not taking if you're, you know, if you're the the Dolphins right now. Jalen Ramsey's out for the season or out until like December or whatever with his injury. If you're the Dolphins and your top cornerback Xavier Howard, you, you're not putting Xavier Howard on Calvin Austin. You're putting Xavier Howard on one of the other top receivers, and then after that, you're gonna that means you have to give at least some safety help to the guy that's helping Calvin Austin because he's not gonna. You're not going to have the top guy available for him, and that's why I think Calvin Austin maybe he's not, he he won't be the main deep ball threat but he's going to be a serious one and it's something that he's worked on to improve in camp he's been he's been happy with what he's been seeing progresses but he's hungry to get to get better we actually talked to calvin austin in camp here was him at training camp on tuesday talking with reporters how much of an emphasis has there been from the quarterbacks and that thing on the twitter in 
connect more on those deep balls this year? I know he didn't play last year, but it wasn't like he was part of the offense last year. Um, it's just been an emphasis throughout OTAs and camp now just for every all the receivers, you know, the hit on those those vertical balls. So um, I think we're doing a great time with um, creating timing with the quarterbacks. And as you can see, I think we're continuing to hit, hit them throughout camp. Calvin, uh, how have you felt your progression as far as the route tree and understanding how to win with the deep ball and in the short pattern? Uh, I think it's all it's all coming along. I mean, that's what these these practices are for, just continuing to work on my game all around, deep balls, short balls, whatever that is. So, you know, I'm just constantly trying to improve my route technique. Um, uh, me and Deontay, he be on me a lot just about my technique and stuff. So just continue to, do, to take his coaching and just continue to clean it up. What's his biggest focus in the critiques of you? The footwork, is it like you know, in and out of your route? Like, what does he focus specifically? Footwork and stuff because, you know, I'm like, obviously I'm fast. So, like, he know I got that in my game. But just being smooth with my with my footwork and stuff because Tay, obviously, the best one of the best route runners in the league. So, um, he knows all the the small details that can give you create that much more separation. So um, it's all in the footwork, arms, hands, all of that. So he he be on me about that, which I like. So I can I can constantly try to improve. So I think it's it is good for Calvin Austin that he's figuring out how to be be part of the Steelers offense in multiple ways. We saw him with the jet sweeps. We saw him, you know, catch short passes, trying to get open underneath while also still having that that deep ball threat available for Kenny for Kenny Pickett. But again, I just want to reemphasize this will be a real part of the Steelers offense, and it has not been, I think, a real part of the Steelers offense since the first half of 2020 and as far as for an entire season since like 2018 it's been that long since the deep ball has been a a real threat for defenses to have to consider and in 2020 I still think that was a huge part of what led to their 11-0 start the defense was a huge part of it too when they got when they weren't health once they lost Stefan to it and Bud Dupree and Devin Bush and all the guys that they lost that year you could see just the wear and tear war on that on that unit but the deep ball in the early part of the season when it was hitting it opened up so much more of the offense, and that's where I really think this offense can show its balance as well as it's as it's going to be there. Kenny Pickett can get the ball there, and I think they got multiple guys who can be those deep threats. In Johnson, who do not underestimate his ability to get open deep, George Pickens, who we've seen his ability to make plays, make, make plays all around the field, and to have the potential to be a deep threat. We saw some yak ability in the in the Buccaneers preseason game, and of course Calvin Austin, who's got the burners. And I think you're you're only going to see this group grow into who's going to be or who all can be serious deep ball threats. And who will be the main one? I think that will be left to be determined. We'll see who, who, who that becomes for Kenny Pickett. But either way, I think it will be a big factor in the Steelers' offense. Will Joey Porter Jr. be a big factor in the Steelers' secondary coming up? He practiced in full on Tuesday. We talked to him. I'll get his uh, some, some words from him on the show in the second segment here of the Locked On Steelers podcast, as well as my outlook for how I think things are working out for that cornerback room. That and more here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We still got a lot to talk about. But first, I want to tell you that our show today is sponsored by Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair with no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. They're drug-free, 
Patented technology provides consistent, consistent, reliable, reliable results without compromising your sex health. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men enter promo code locked on nfl that's neutral com slash men promo code locked on nfl back here on the locked on steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter we continue our show here today uh one thing that i talked about before as well uh, coming out of that preseason game, the one the one group we really didn't see uh, any any bit of in the first preseason game was the secondary. Well, that's going to change against the Bills. Now, Demonte Casey's still trying to work out. They're trying to start work out. He's going to actually play, but we're seeing these guys practice in full. I think that you're going to see this crew at least assemble on the field for at least a whole drive together um, moving forward. But that means Patrick Peterson. That means Levi Wallace, who only played three snaps in that first game. Uh, that means Mike Mika Fitzpatrick, DeMonte KZ, Keanu Neal, and Joey Porter Jr., the second-round pick that everyone's excited to see, and who's had a very good training camp uh, for, the, for the most part. You know, he's had his duels that he's lost with, uh, with George Pickens here and there, but he's also had some that he's won. And, in fact, the secondary – won quite a bit against George Pickens and Deontay Johnson at the end of Tuesday's practice to a point it was kind of like they were chirping at him a little bit and the receivers were like, Oh, okay. Y'all talking y'all stuff today. We'll try to get y'all tomorrow. But there was an, it's interesting how that rivalry has grown throughout camp, but it seems like the vets are back. And I think it's an interesting question. What's going to be the uh, Porter's position with this, with with the full starting group out there, does he take one of the outside spots? Because you got Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace. Peterson had five interceptions last year. Wallace had four. And, you know, Porter is a guy who a lot of people talked about coming in, coming out of college. He only has one interception. He doesn't have ball skills. As I said before, in camp, he's shown ball skills. And it was even a kind of a point for himself where I think he had heard it enough about from other people talking about him that he's like, yeah, do I have ball skill problems? And it took making some of those plays in camp to kind of ru- knock away any of that, any of those confidence issues. But listen to Joey Porter Jr. Talk about uh, his progress in camp and where he sees himself when we talk to him after practice on Tuesday. Is it for you to play some Saturday? It's important to me. Like I'm really, I'm trying to get out there, a young guy, trying to see how it is in the NFL preseason. It doesn't matter, um, but hopefully it goes that way. I really don't know yet, but we're gonna see. Do you think you get any extra time in the game just because you couldn't play the first one? Um, that's not up to me. That's up to coach. I really don't know. Were you able to take anything away, learn a little bit? Yeah. Obviously, Pat didn't play either. So were you guys able to kind of build a little, even though you were on the sidelines? Yeah, uh, getting all the calls Coach made, really getting my visual learning going on, and also talking to Pat and Levi just about route formations, route concepts, and everything like that. So it was good. Joey, so far in camp, how far do you think you've come? What do you, what are you really looking to, to work on? I feel like I've grown a lot during camp. You know, there were some bumps and bruises throughout the whole thing, but uh, at the end of the day, I take them, I win. So it was good for me. Are there parts of your game that you can see now that you couldn't see at the start of camp, and things like, oh, i got to add that, and i got to see this? I could catch for real. I got nice hands. You know, I always always knew that, but I stamped myself this camp with that. 
does that bring some confidence to have those picks that you've had in this camp? Definitely, definitely. Every pick brings a, a booster confidence a little bit. So every day I try to go out there and snag one or two. Is it boosted even more after I know you didn't have as many picks as you wanted in college last year? Is it kind of a reminder to be like, yeah, I, I can do this? Yeah, it was really just a. Uh, Shut everybody else up on the outside that didn't think I could catch. I had to show them that I could. Uh, but it really was nothing. I always work on it every day before and after practice. So it was something that was going to happen. You mentioned your own growth throughout this camp. But how have you seen your defense, especially your room, grow from day one to now? I mean, I feel like we're all communicating. That was the biggest thing coming in. There was a lot of new guys coming in, especially me. And the main thing Minka and everybody was talking about was just communicate, communication. Because without communication, you can't be a great defense. So a few things there that I think are one, you could hear the confidence talking about the ball skills, but Joey Porter Jr. to be part of this secondary beyond his ball skills, as he said at the end of that clip there, talked about communication. His communication has to be on par with these other veterans who are well-versed in the NFL and they're not hesitating. They're not going through any rookie struggles or rookie thought processes as far as things goes. Now, I will say this, Joey Porter Jr. might be the most kind of mentally ready rookie that they brought in this season because of his dad and because of all the experience he's had with the NFL. He's have it, his integration into the NFL process is, is a lot smoother. He literally grew up around the Steelers and what it was like to practice and get ready in the NFL, uh, both watching his dad as a player and, and as a coach uh, when he was younger. But all that to say, I, I think Joey Porter Jr., if he holds up well, in these games and holds up well doesn't mean he makes a crazy one leaping hand interception because he could do that and still not do what I'm about to say he's gonna he needs to do. But when I say hold up well, I mean when they are calling out disguises, when they're calling out coverages, he needs to display the ability to handle that in game and still play to his assignment and play it well and, and be a functioning part of that secondary that can help disguise things, help do their the, the, the job with detail, and then make it so that the entire concept that Terrell Austin is drawing up as a defensive coordinator actually translates to what they what they're drawing up in the classroom and in the film room so that it comes out that way on the field as I've said before I think the biggest strength of this secondary is going to be their ability to work in tandem with each other to have chemistry and to you know disguise things to the point where they're not just disguising up you know the actual coverages but they're also disguising up their own skills and where they're lining up and how they can play off each other to kind of fool quarterbacks into making more mistakes if Joey Porter can show that he's ready to be about that that kind of action, he's going to get that. He's going to get the opportunity to be in there. And if you're wondering, well, who's going to take his place? I guess he's or whose place he's going to take. I guess he could take Levi Wallace. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think Levi Wallace has shown that he he can play on the outside and be a really good, really good player out there. I think what's going to happen is Patrick Peterson might bump to the slot and be sort of a slot slash safety guy who can help there because he's very adept at changing things and understanding things and playing off playing off other guys. And that's where this could get really interesting as a secondary if that is the step that is taken. But one thing at a time, Joey Porter Jr. has to show those things. I think he can show those things. I think that there's times in, in training camp we've seen it. It's tougher to manage because I'm not looking at it from – I, you know, I'm not videoing it all and going back and rewinding everything and, and, and doing all that when they're doing 11 on 11. That's literally not allowed. But um, 
but I am watching how he's playing. I think that this guy is smart. One, when you talk to him, you can tell that nothing's going too fast for him. He's understanding the process. He's going through camp and learning each step of the way while also being humble about it. And I think honoring the process of getting better. Um, but man, if he does all that, if he gets through these steps and he is ready for re- ready for week one, I do in, in, in I do ex- expect the Steelers to give him the opportunity to be able to start on the outside or work on the outside. Maybe not officially start. Maybe it's still Patrick Peterson who starts outside. But when they're going to those nickel formations, which is what most people do these days. Patrick Peterson bumping inside, Levi Wallace and him outside. That might be the formula the Steelers really want to go to because then you're not relying relying on a Shannon Sullivan or an Elijah Riley, Riley, any of those guys to have to be on the field and to play into that role. And who knows? Maybe they maybe they do want to play in that role and then there's something else there. But I really think that the key for for Joey Porter Jr. is being that communicate is having that communication down. Like for example, um, even when Artie Burns wasn't a rookie, when he was when he was with the Steelers, there were times where they couldn't trust him to be part of all the switches and all the schemes. There was a game where um, against the Patriots where I think, it, in fact, it, I think it was the game that they won against the Patriots in 2018, I want to say. And I think this was Artie Burns' third year in the league, I want to say. But I remember uh, a game, a play early in that game where uh, there was a miscommunication and ha- the rest of the Steelers defense was in zone, but Artie Burns was in man. And, and if you go way back to listen to the shows, that was before I was on YouTube, but if you go way back and listen to the shows, I was telling y'all that wasn't about Artie Burns doing the wrong thing. That was the Steelers telling him, hey, you stick to man no matter what happens while we stay in zone and because they were they were like we don't want Artie Burns to think we want him to cover because when he doesn't think and he's covering that's when he's good but you can't do that against Tom Brady because he will see that and he will rip you apart as he did in that play and they had to pull Artie Burns out because they were like Tom knows what we're trying to do and that that's going to be killed so they took they took him out in that situation but that was already one of Artie Burns's biggest flaws as a first round draft pick corner for the Steelers Joey Porter Jr., I don't think it will be a flaw. I think it will actually be a strength of him. And his, and I think that he's actually going to be learning it faster because of Patrick Peterson and the guys around him who are going to be helping him with that process. And if he embraces that process, if he honors that process, if he works through that, and that becomes a serious part of his game that he can understand the switches, understand the calls, and be seamless and, and develop that rapport with his fellow guys in the secondary – I think that they're I think that he's gonna fit right right in and it's going to be a very exciting start to his career and a very exciting look for how the Steelers secondary could look for years to come because you still got Minka Fitzpatrick who's still in the prime of his career and he'll he'll be around for quite some time, you presume. Uh and you know, you if you get Corey Trice back next year, you can still look at other cornerbacks to add for the future. And again, you still got Patrick Peters under the contract next year. So there's a lot of potential there. And I do think Joey Porter Jr. is in a good place to show it, but he has to to show it on the field we'll see if he does on saturday i want to talk about some offensive tackle talking not broderick jones the guy he has to beat out and that's dan moore jr we'll talk about that here on the other side of the break here of the lockdown steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter stick with us we'll be right back Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue with our show here on Wednesday. Now, one thing that I that I, that we saw at training camp, uh, and that we well, not just training camp, we've seen 
all training camp and in the preseason game, is that Dan Moore Jr. is not making this easy for Broderick Jones to just take his spot. And that's a good thing. I know some people some people want him to just start right away. And I, I've said, like, look, it'd be great for Broderick Jones if he was just that guy. He took the starting spot and that was just it and done over with. And he becomes a superstar left tackle. That'd be a that'd be a nice dream. But if Dan Moore Jr. is holding it down, you can't take it, take the job off of him and just put him on the bench just because you want the rookie to be in there if Dan Moore Jr. is still the better left tackle as it stands right now. And Dan Moore Jr., he's checking the boxes. He's looking good in pass pro. He's looking good in run blocking. He's fitting in. He's working really well next to Isaac Sayomalo. And maybe that's just what he needed was a, a veteran leader type guy next to him to kind of be that anchor to help him along a little bit. Because, again, I don't think Dan Moore Jr. has has been – he's actually been a good pick for the Steelers. Like, I'm not even going to say he's a bad, a bad – he's been a good pick for the Steelers. When you get a fourth-round offensive tackle who can start for you for multiple seasons and the only way that you're and, – and he's holding off a guy you traded up for in the first round for in his, in his third year – I think that he that 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 means that he has given you some value and who knows what kind of value he's going to give after Broderick Jones eventually takes over the position because it's that is coming at some point. But Dan Moore Jr. is not making it easy. Why? Because, again, in pass protection, he is he is more short up. He's more short in his footwork. He's shorter, choppier steps. He's able to still keep his keep his base about him and he's anchoring very well. He's not letting uh, power rushers get inside on him. He's not letting speed rushers keep their frame from him and he's using his size better now that allow him to 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 work to win more battles in training camp and in the the action that we saw him in the preseason and again this is not to say that broderick jones is doing poorly because he's doing a really good job as well and i think that he's making it a tough case as well for dan he's pushing dan moore jr but the other really cool thing about this was is is as soon as if you stay after practice and you're not one of the fans who are just yelling TJ and Kenny and you because you want autographs and there's nothing wrong with that go get your autographs but if you're paying attention to what who's doing what after practice you're seeing Dan Moore Jr. work with work with Broderick Jones work on their drop steps, sharpening up their footwork, sharpening up their technique, helping each other out and Dan Moore Jr. especially helping Broderick Jones, which is a huge part of this because Broderick Jones is the guy that was drafted to take Dan Moore Jr.'s job. But he's still willing to help him. He's, and I think that that embodies what's going on across the board for the Steelers. There's a lot of guys that you could say that about, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Levi Wallace or anything else or, or any of the cornerbacks with Joey Porter Jr., whether it's um, whether, whether it's any of the defensive linemen with, with Keanu Benton, whether it's Pat Frymuth and Zach Gentry with Darnell Washington or the, or the edge rushers with Nick Herbig. Not that Washington and Herbig are projecting to be starters to take over the, those roles right away, but these are guys that are coming in and being embraced and growing and showing solid growth in training camp and in the preseason. And again, I just I put all that all together to think like, man, this Steelers team is extremely deep in so many positions. And that's going to be such a help to this team if they run up against an injury bug this season. Um, so but back back to my Dan Moore Jr. points. There have been games where Dan Moore Jr. has looked very good in, in the pros. Now, there are games he's also not looked very good, and sometimes he's, in fact, looked very bad. But And that was a big reason why I think getting a broader Jones was so important, was to say, hey, you know what? If Dan Moore Jr. is not consistent this year, the, the future is right behind him. 
But let's say Dan Moore Jr. is consistent and he does play well. And you're in a position where like, man, Broderick Jones is primary left tackle. He's not been playing swing around. Maybe you do look to say to say to Dan Moore, hey, let's move him over to right. Let's give him a shot there. Now, I think Dan Moore Jr. still has to learn more about adjusting to the right side and, and getting that down. But maybe you explore that option to say, hey, you know what, Dan, we we like your aggression. Uh, we like this. Maybe we, we we put him in for Chooks there. And then on the left side goes in Broderick Jones. And then you see this uh, this offensive line kind of maybe be the group that it's going to be for the next for the next few years. And that's not to slight Chukuma Korfor because, again, he's very solid. He, he's, he's technically sound. But Chukuma Korfor still doesn't have that killer instinct that you need at right tackle of a guy who's just going to maul for your run game. I think if he adds that, he puts himself in the mix. Then I don't know what to do at left tackle other than just, well, I guess we'll start Broderick Jones because we drafted him. But um, I just I think it's a really good thing that the Steelers are having actual camp competition, actual uh, battles between between these players that are respected, that are respecting each other, that are showing each other how to get better because it's creating a competitive environment, but also a familial environment, a team environment, a culture that is going to that is going to either breed success or breed more challenges to become successful. And I think that that's where Mike that's what Mike Tomlin wants. That's what they wanted to foster. That's what Omar Khan's been going for as far as bringing in the talent, Andy Weidel as well. And I think that it's another good sign of where the Steelers are headed as far as the track they they put themselves on with their roster composition and how they've performed in training camp and in the first preseason game. We've got more preseason talk and getting you ready over the next couple of days. We got Mike the Fable from the Athletics got set to come on Thursday, and we've got Jenna Harner of Channel 11 WPXI set to come on Friday as we get you ready for the Steelers Saturday preseason game. All here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thanks so much again for turn for tuning in uh, as always on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed subscribe to this youtube channel to get all of your daily monday through friday episodes as well as our bonus content i'm your host chris carter follow me on twitter and instagram at carter critiques we may we may work at the pittsburgh post gazette or find me here monday through friday on the locked on steelers podcast we'll see you tomorrow talking more steelers right here on the locked on steelers podcast 